0: Ciao, my name is Umberto Mucci and this is the Italian News, a weekly podcast about Italy. Today is Thursday, March 9, 2023. I am about to sign a measure that we can sum up with the expression, I am staying home. All of Italy will be a red zone, travel throughout Italy will be possible only for work, necessity or health reasons. With these words, <clears throat> exactly three years ago, on March 9, 2020, the then head of the Italian government announced the beginning of the lockdown. Two days later, there was the first episode of We The Italian News, which today celebrates with the one you are watching or listening, also the 350th episode. Fortunately, we get out of it. COVID is not a threat anymore for the majority of us, we can say it. But every March, there is a renewed remembrance of what we went through and of those who are no longer with us. As you know, often part of this podcast stems from reports and statistical studies published in Italy. Yesterday, one of these gave a rather worrying picture of the world of Italian public health care. Structural cuts in healthcare care spending have gone over the years, in the opposite direction of its reorganization necessary to guarantee minimum levels of care. A lack of strategy that has shown all its cracks in the pandemic period, and that is impoverishing a real healthcare that is that of patients, the families and operators at all levels. Italian public health spending in relation to GDP, already below the average of OECD and G7 countries before and during the pandemic, is still considerably far from these benchmarks. At ratio, in fact, <clears throat> was 6.4% in 2019 in Italy, compared with 7.6% in OECD countries and 9.1% in G7 countries. And in 2020, the first year of the pandemic in Italy it increased to 7.4%, compared, however, with 8.4% and 10.5% for OECD and G7 countries. Forecasts for the next five years are worse than the already difficult, difficult current situation in 2023, spending as a ratio of GDP is projected to stand at 6.4%, declining to 6.3% in 2024 and further to 6.1% in 2025. <clears throat> this is despite an increasing demand for services due to the progressive aging of the population, the historical problem of the enormous waiting lists, and the recovery of uh, suspended postponed services for the pandemic. Waiting times incongruous with the severity and complexity of the diagnosis represent one of the elements of greatest inequity within a system with a universalist location. Because they result in a divide between those who can turn to the healthcare market outside the National Health Service and those who, for economic and social reasons, cannot turn to private health care. But how do Italians fund the money they spend on private health care? This question may be partly answered by another research which analyzes wage trends in Italy. Something in the 2022 paychecks of Italians have moved. On average last year the private sector employees earned 3.4% more than in 2021. This is good news considering that in the entire period between 2015 and 2021 wages had put together an increase of only 2.1% or 0.4% on average per year. But we cannot look at the phenomenon without considering inflation, which was 8.1% in the past year. So incomes have sacrificed in the range of five percentage points of purchasing power to the price raised driven by energy and food. On the positive side, there is also a kind of redistributive effect on incomes with the strongest growth for lower classifications, plus 3% blue collar workers, plus 4.3% white collar workers. Further good news is that firm size has not been an issue this year. In fact, smaller Italian firms have seen the strongest increases at the territorial level. The regions of Liguria, Lazio, and Veneto with growth of more than 4% are the regions that have done best. In contrast, Trentino Alto Adige, Campania and Valledosta around plus one percent are those that did worse. In addition, women's wages rose five point one percent versus two point two percent of men. <coughs> And women are more represented in the sectors that have seen the largest increases, such as hospitality, restaurant catering, textiles or tourism. Women, however, were starting from generally lower wages. The gender pay gap, the difference in salary between men and women, is still a strong reality in Italy, averaging 10%, narrowing between 2017 and 2019 and then picking up again during the pandemic. More than one in four female workers are overeducated in relation to their employment, and although they graduate with higher grades and at a higher rate than men, women are less likely to be in senior or management roles. The pay gap is not the only aspect that points to inequality or injustice to the female gender in the Italian labour market. In fact, 2022 still sees a lower employment rate for women, 51.4%, Women versus 69.6% men, and an and inactivity rate for women at 44%, aspects that are strongly affected by how the Italian families relate to the female role, in particular in presence of children. Among women do not who do participate in the workforce, on the other hand, the incidence of part-time is high, 33.3% women versus 8.6% men, and the speed of entry is lower than that of men. On average, then, Italy still has a long way to go. But yesterday, which was March 8, and and thus International Women's Day, another curious piece of news struck me. The number of female billionaires in the world grows, and Italy rises in global rankings. For the first time, Italy is in fourth position in the world, with 16 women entrepreneurs with fortunes over a billion dollars, after the US in first place, followed by China and Germany. Among the Italians, the first in the ranking is Massimiliana Landini Aleotti, in 56th position with 6.57 billion, of Menarini Pharmaceutical Industries, followed by Miuccia Prada from Prada and Alessandria Caravoglia of the family that controls Campari. Italy is doing all it can to meet the deadlines of the European Recovery Plan, which allocates a lot of money to a country, but only if the targets due every six months are met on time. However, there are several problems, and the government's latest decisions have created, seem to have created, quite a few difficulties for the municipalities receiving the resources. In particular, in mid-February, the government changed some things, but it seems not to have considered a major critical issue in the way European funds are disbursed to local governments. In order to follow up on the work of the various projects, municipalities have to bear the costs of their implementation, paying invoices to suppliers and taking on the advances required by construction companies. Only later by accounting for the expenses incurred will these be reimbursed and the recovery plan projects can be considered implemented. Thus, it appears that the government is leaving the economic burden of the continuation of the work on the shoulders of local governments, demanding the advance of prohibitive sums for many of them. This demand for cash in relation to the financial capacities of of municipalities especially smaller ones, in several cases risks leading to a suspension of recovery plan projects. Among Italian mayors, there are already those who attempted to desist. If they had been clear that the advance of resources for municipalities was not planned, they would never have participated in the applications for the allocation of resources for public works. Until recently, on the other hand, according to the Mayors for Urban Regeneration and Safety Interventions, local authorities were given the necessary funding in a congruent manner with respect to the payment of the works, a 20% advance payment at the moment of acceptance of the State contribution, a 60% at the start of the works, and the final balance upon delivery of the Certificate of Regular Execution. As is often the case, we rely on tourism mainly for the final good news, and today we have two of them. A record-breaking January 2023 brought Italian air traffic almost back to 2019 levels, the last year before the pandemic. Eleven and a half million passengers pass through our airports in January. It is the airports in the south that are gaining the most after Milan Airport in Lombardy, which grows compared to twenty nineteen by seventeen point five percent. We find Bari in Puglia, Palermo in Sicily, Naples in Campania and Catania again in Sicily. Still far below the twenty nineteen numbers in Rompio Micino Airport, which, however, has the merit of being the protagonist of the second and final good news. It has been rated best airport in Europe with more than 40 million passengers for the sixth year in a row. The recognition is awarded by Airport Council and Airport Council International, the international, international association that interviews passengers to measure perceived quality in more than 350 airports all over the world. The award, based on the quality of services at Fiumicino, is the first time. In, in the history of the Airports Council International service that the same arp- airport wins the top prize for 6 consecutive years. Fiumicino also received awards for airport with the most dedicated staff, most pleasant airport and cleanest airport. Let's remember that this recognition comes after Fiumicino Airport won the highest 5-star airport rating from SkyTrax, the principal rating and assessment company in the international airport sector earlier this year. So what are you waiting for? Please come to Rome and come to Italy. Please visit us. Please come to Italy. We are waiting for you. This is all for now. This is all for today. My name is Umberto Mucci. This was the 350th episode of With Italian News. I'll see you next Thursday. Ciao from Rome.